0: The free Vision app is where you'll find a growing range of on-demand audio and video to help you look to God daily. Search Vision Christian Media in your app store.
1: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
2: Turning our attention to some heavy subject matter, thinking about war on the weekend you will have potentially heard China is on the verge of launching what is known as a gray zone war against Australia with flotillas of unmarked militia ships basically fishing fishing boats that are armed uh, with uh, military personnel deployed on incursions through Australian waters what might that mean and with the appearance of war heroes like Ben Robert Smith in court for his defamation proceedings, and we might have concern about the effects of accusations of war crimes against defense force soldiers, ordinarily considered to be our heroes. The Bible, especially the Old Testament, is full of war stories. But the New Testament finishes in war too. Famous stories like the battle between the Israelites led by Gideon against the Midianites. Or the battle between the Israelites and the Philistines resolved in the fight between David and Goliath. Then of course in the New Testament in the book of Revelation the four horsemen of Revelation 6 riding out to conquer and fight and to impoverish and to kill. So Christians have often been in their own moral battle as to how to support nations at war. Because we are made in the image of God, Christians see life as sacred and to be protected. And as you'll know, one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not murder. In the New Testament, we're encouraged to pray for those who persecute us. Even in Jesus' time, the first century, the Jews were often in resistance to the immense and brutal power of the Roman Empire. In fact, many of Jesus' followers were combatants in that. They were called zealots. But there is a balance in the ideas of Psalm 82. Defend the rights of the poor and the orphans. Be fair to the needy and the helpless. Rescue them from the power of evil men. Now, we might ask, is there a difference between being an aggressor and a defender? And what about the idea of pacifism? Well, today, a conversation about how Christians think about war. And our special guest, Cole Stringer, is joining us. He's in the studio with me, one of Australia's favourite Christian authors and well-known for his books about Australians at war, The 800 Horsemen*, Fighting Mackenzie, The Anzac Spirit... And his latest book is called Billy. We'll talk about Billy as we go, too. Cole Stringer, I want to make a special welcome back to 2020. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. Hey, Cole, you have been writing about Australians at war for decades now. To have a discussion about Australians at war in the 21st century, uh, maybe there are some principles we can glean from those stories that you wrote uh, about... Uh, of issues and wars that we have fought in, in conflicts in Australia over 100 years ago. But perhaps we ought to start off uh, with some perceptions of war, the brutality of war. I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on on how you might look at that in an emotional sense about how bad war is.
1: Well, I I just think that anybody, you know, in their right mind would not be in favour of war. I mean, that's just ridiculous, I, I think, anyway. But sometimes I just think that uh, we are thrust into situations where we just have to stand up for our homes and our families. Like my dad was a volunteer in the last war. Uh, he was just a young man and but went off to fight the Japanese in New Guinea not because he wanted medals or was bloodthirsty but because it was the right thing to do to defend his family. You know, and there, there is, I just believe there's various scriptures. I've got one here in Nehemiah. You might remember when they're rebuilding the wall. And the heritage of their nation's been in ruins for 150 years. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13, he says, I position men. uh, I love that men, not teenagers, not big boys, but men, uh, behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. And I set the people according to their families. And he says, uh, with their bows, uh, with their swords, with their spears, with their bows. I looked and I arose and I said to the leaders and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, and great and awesome, and fight for your brothers and your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So uh, their, their heritage was in ruins for 150 years. And so he's, in the current vernacular, I believe what he does, he takes the men, the fathers, and stands them in front of their families and says, whether we live or whether we die, whether we win, whether we lose, Depends on not if you've got the guts to fight. And if you won't fight for any other motivation, then fight for your families. Uh, When they do that, the heritage of their nation, which was in ruins for 150 years, was restored in 52 days. And you and I both know there's so many scriptures. Like, if it really is so wrong to defend your home and your family, then how come the only man that Jesus ever commended for his faith was a Roman army officer? The Romans were bloodthirsty. They were terrible. But, you know, he says, I've not found faith anywhere in Israel as this man. Now, if it's wrong to stand up for your home and your family, Jesus sort of ticked him off big time, but he uses him as an example. Uh, You know, Jesus, even Jesus himself, he drove the money changers out of the temple with a whip. I mean, that's not something that a wuss is going to do, you know, sort of, I mean, And, you know, David talks about he trains my hands for war. Um, Paul talks about fight the good fight of faith, salute your brother, the army of God. All of those are military terms. And, uh, uh, you know, I I understand people listening are going to come from a pacifistic, uh, you know, and I I respect that. But I I don't find that actually in the Bible. I don't find that in Scripture at all. I I believe, I love this, uh, where Paul talks to Timothy. And he says, if a man does not provide for his own household, he's worse than an unbeliever. Now, that's, that unless you dig, dig a little deeper, the word provide is actually Greek word pronoio. Yes, it means food on the table and clothes on your back. But if you do an in-depth study, it actually means to lay your life down for your family. So yes, he's the, saying, if you don't do that, hmm. hey, hallelujah, we'd raise our hands and pray in tongues. But you're worse than an unbeliever, he says. Isn't it a powerful thought uh, to
2: recognize uh, the responsibility that we might have to our families? Uh, Because not everyone in our families, uh, our spouse, our children, are going to be soldiers able to fight their own battle. So there is going to be someone, and typically it's uh, the man, uh, who will stand up and... And we might say, defend our family, yes. because there's a certain starting point, Cole. We might talk about ourselves individually. We might talk about how we defend our family. That might then extend further to our community and to yeah. our nation. Uh, then it might even uh, <laughs> go on to uh, other nations that we are allied to. So, yes. you know, when we talk about a, a Christian position here, do you think we start
1: with the individual self, or do we, or do we start with the family? I, I think we start with family, like when God's original plan is family. That's the only thing you can take to heaven, the family of God on, on on earth and in heaven. And when when the Lord said saw that Adam was lonely, he didn't build him a church, he gave him a family. And I believe after God, your responsibility is to your family. Now, that, you know, by and large today, it, it, a lot of people, I like, for instance, people, you know, the women's libbers and things, I feel a love's going to come now. But anyway, you know, uh, I think, and that doesn't mean we're better or anything else, it means that's the man's responsibility. Like, I remember when, when I passed it in Darwin one time, my wife loves manners. Yeah. So that this lady's coming down the road, you know, hairy leg brigade, <laughs> anyway. And I opened the door for her to the bank, and she looked at me, she says, well, do you think I'm incapacitated or something? I thought, well, it could be arranged, if you like, lady, you know. But, you know, so there are certain elements that don't even want that. So I understand that as well. But nevertheless, biblically, I believe anyway, think think about Jesus. What's the last thing he ever does on the cross? Provide for his mother. That's his family. The only man still there is John. He says, from now on, current. you know, this is ad-libbing, but from now on, the responsibility of my mother I pass to you. It's your now to take care of my mother. So that's the last thing he ever did on the cross to make sure his family was provided
2: for. And we're caring for our own family. And then if we take that community wide, we're looking out for the families of others in our community. And that might even mean those who are a part of our churches yes. uh, because there's this defending idea uh, Let me ask you, though, Cole, when we talk about the sinful nature of humanity and because there'll be some who might say, well, why are we having wars in the first place? Why are nations rising up against other nations? Uh, We might bring that back down to the idea of a a sinfulness in humanity. It's not the first time we've been threatened by war. It's not the first time we've had to participate in war. But this is something that uh, perhaps we could connect to the sinfulness of humanity.
1: Well it's the dark side of human nature I believe. That's where we all are without the Lord I've just been, I love the American Civil War, I love studying that and I don't know if you know but this is their own nation but after a couple of years it's bloodthirsty. as you, I mean terrible and many of the men particularly on the confederate side were were Christians. Stonewall Jackson was a lay preacher Uh, Robert E. Lee after the war went back and and started a Bible college, but nevertheless, it shows you the in, you know, what happens with mankind. You know, if there's no no, no guidance, here, if there's nothing, you know, if there just goes back to the g- degenerate heart and terrible things. I mean, you know, you imagine in the last water. I mean, who, my wife comes from a German background, and she still can't understand how the German people could be part of the Holocaust. Six million Jewish people, I mean, horrific, terrible things. The same nation where Mozart comes from and all, you know. So that where we all can be, I believe, if, if we just go back to our debased nature. I think we could be prayerful and
2: say we'd like not to have to participate in another war. But when we have senior public servants uh, saying the drums of war are beating and uh, China is clearly in the frame there as being the potential aggressor when it comes to Taiwan and uh, Hong Kong and even scuffles that they're having at uh, borders with India, Uh, China at the centre of of all of that and uh, having perhaps what appears to be a more aggressive nature and even uh, reaching out to take territory that's not traditionally their own. These sorts of things are uh, are coming upon us. Uh, This idea of the grey zone Mm. war, uh, which we here in Australia may well be participating in if we have Chinese vessels into our waters. What are your thoughts for the idea of intimidation tactics that sound like the drums of
1: war are beating? Uh, I personally think our politicians need to have more brains. We're not a, a large nation. Why keep poking the dragon? You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I like what... If you saw the Singaporean Prime Minister speaking with our man just on the... Uh, last week, anyway. I, I like him. Just brilliant man. And he said, look, we're going to have to learn to live with China. You know, that doesn't mean we agree, but you can't force your ideas onto the... And, then, and they can't force their, theirs onto ours. He said... Somewhere along the line, I think, and that doesn't mean you back down, but I I, I can't understand why they keep poking, like uh, uh, demanding about you know the uh, yeah. research yeah. for COVID and all. We're not a big nation; we shouldn't be doing that. That should be America or someone else, because I, I don't think we're big enough to be able to do that. To uh, as I say, why do we keep poking the dragon? You know, <laughs> Do you think we
2: might be so used to the idea of global peacetime that even though there are obviously conflicts that are, are have happened and are happening, but we've become so used to the idea of global peacetime, we think that an aggressor might not
1: uh, worry about us posturing? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I think China sees us as an easy target. That's what I do. So why keep poking it? Like I'm, as I say here, that doesn't mean you're back down, but hey... Like I say there, we're not big enough to be able to impose these sort of things. Leave that to the United States and other countries that are big enough to do that. What, what's a, what's China? 1.4, 1.6 billion? What are we? 26 million people? You know, with a huge coastline, which is undefendable anyway, you know, really. So why do we keep... <laughs> Anyway, that's just my personal view. <laughs> and there is some speculation that even
2: over the weekend at the G7 conference in the UK where Scott Morrison has been in the meeting with Joe Biden and uh, with Boris Johnson and thoughts that they have been discussing the issues around China. So the idea of allies together... Uh, who can express a different sort of values to what is coming from the communist state as you say uh, we should not perhaps poke the dragon uh, expect to change their values but they seem to be expecting to change ours and uh, the idea of standing firm
1: yeah like I say well okay they're not going to change our values but we're certainly not going to change theirs either and uh, like I say just think about it there that I, I just don't understand, well, I think the Western Australian uh, premier said he totally disagrees with Scott. You know, I love Scott Morrison, but I just think that they need more brains on how you deal with this huge bully called China and why keep poking him? Mean, this is our biggest customer. It's potentially our worst enemy. Why? Why? I mean, we're like a little dog poking an Alsatian, <laughs> and eventually, if you keep doing it, you're going to get bitten. Well, listeners might even like to have their say
2: on... Uh, that issue and uh, we will open our talk back lines and who knows what will come today uh, with a conversation like this uh, you might like to contribute 1-800-316-316 you might like to join in our conversation there's also a question on our Facebook page today which you can respond to facebook.com forward slash vision radio if the global drums of war are beating what do you think the Christian attitude to war should be uh, you'll find that at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Cole, another big issue around uh, war and conflict, of course, is in the defamation proceedings that are happening right now. Uh, one of our national heroes, uh, the recipient of the Victoria Cross, Ben Roberts-Smith, uh, is uh, basically suing Is it the Nine Network around issues that he's been defamed. Uh, what are your thoughts for uh, for that, uh, that c- circumstance?
1: I think it's terrible the way we, you know, we trash our heroes. Uh, It's the tall poppy syndrome again, I, I believe. Now, I'm not saying there weren't some things done, but if no one's actually been in war, how can you judge somebody, you know, that's in a life and death situation? I remember my dad, when he came back, my dad was so badly wounded, couldn't work for two years. But I remember my dad saying, the ones that talk about it the most were obviously never there. If you've been in that situation, the horrendous things, you don't even want to talk about it. You, you've got the, all these armchair experts, you know. Who knows how you would react, you know, in a situation where people are shooting at you, trying to kill you, you know. how? I don't know how I'd react. If somebody was, I, I was going to mention before, if somebody was coming into the home to attack my family, I can tell you right now, I'd use whatever force I possibly can. If that was a gun, I'd shoot him. I'm just telling you right now that I would do that, because I believe, you know, that's what you need to do is defend your family. And who who knows? And I don't, I don't know Ben Robert Smith personally, but I've spoken to the SAS. I went to their barracks in Perth, gave them about 200 books. They gave me the beret with "He Who Dares Wins." I think they're an awesome, wonderful bunch of young men, but I don't think they get much support from Australia. We've got the tall poppy syndrome. Can I just say, we, when we lived in the United States for a couple of years. I passed it there. We are in the airport one day. And the, I forget, Iraq, whatever the conflict was, a bunch of young servicemen come in. Everybody in the airport stood up and applauded. Everybody. That doesn't happen here. And I remember I was in the Vietnam call-up. I didn't go, but I was in the, When my friends came back, they threw blood on them, tossed paint on them, called them baby killers, that's disgusting. None of those young men went because they wanted to go. I, I didn't want to sign up. But if you're called up, your, your marble will come up. That's what you do. And uh, I, I just think, it, you know, God help us if we do have another war. Because uh, I, I forget who was the Chinese general that wrote the book. He said, before the conflict starts, undermine the opposition. Undermine the enemy. Turn them against one another. And that's exactly what's happened here. A huge issue
2: developing, potentially, if we are on the verge of uh, what we can call this uh, this grey zone war or even other conflicts that may well develop. And as you say, Cole, the attitudes that Aussies have to our returned service personnel – Uh, very poor compared to what you might see as this adulation that comes because uh, returned servicemen are war heroes in other nations. When we've got accusations of war crimes against our returned servicemen, what does that do to the morale of serving military personnel and to the attitudes of Australians as to
1: how we might become involved if there is another conflict? Well, my grandson was in the army, and I asked him, and he said, it's disgusting. You know, he said, okay, even if there were some things like there, it's not, shouldn't be broadcast over Channel 9 and everything else and a person's reputation trashed. Like Ben Robert Smith said, he said his life's been trashed. Like he had a, I think he said a $400,000 speaking career or something and now he doesn't have anything, you know, and, and he hasn't even proven been proven, this is what I'm talking It's all... Supposition, that this—he hasn't been proven guilty. I—I I, I thought it was you're innocent till proven guilty, but not in obviously not in Australia
2: not in a day when there is social media, big tech and widespread media coverage that can spread rumors and accusation very easily. Taking calls on 1-800-316-316 and uh, you can help direct where our conversation goes today as we talk about war and a Christian attitude to war. Uh, the Facebook question asking if the global drums of war are beating, what do you think the Christian attitude to war should be? You can find that at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Let's take a call or two, Cole. Bev is on the line in Queensland. Hello, Bev. Welcome.
3: Hello, Neil. Hello, Cole. Um, you really stirred a hornet's nest this morning because there's so many aspects to this. You need a week, I think, to have talk back on this. But what um, Cole was saying before about stirring China, it takes me back to David and Goliath. Um, are we so tiny that we can put that stone into his forehead and take him down. Uh, that was my, you know, as Cole was speaking, I thought, well, somebody has to take a stand somewhere because there are so many aspects to war. I don't think we'll ever understand war. Um, there's just so many enemies. Uh,
2: Bev, good thoughts. Uh, could Australia be a David in a David and Goliath-style
1: conflict? Uh, uh, what are your thoughts, Cole? Uh that's possible. I just don't think that we should be the ones that are actually pushing the barrow. I, 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 same with David. David wasn't the aggressor. Goliath was the aggressor, and he was a, a case, and David eventually had to stand up because nobody else would. But I, I still don't know, particularly our politicians, I don't know why they keep poking their <laughs> the, This is our biggest customer, like I say, our greatest threat now if it's different if they're coming here but why are we uh, like for instance demanding uh, you know uh, uh, what do you call it uh, finding out where covid come from that's not our place to do that well i mean we've suffered far less than the united states or europe anyway don't you think it would be the united states place to demand that sort of thing Mm. Bev, thank you so much for your call our talkback
2: line is open on 1800 316 316 let's take another call, Kevin is in Desert in Queensland, hello Kevin welcome.
4: Yeah, how you going? Good,
2: Kevin what are your thoughts?
4: Um, I think um, Cole's being a little bit disheartening to the to the fair folk of Australia, um, saying that we shouldn't poke the bear for what is right um, I think we should definitely poke the bear and, and um, and, and see where where it came from and the origins of it and stuff because there is a war going on and people don't realise it at the moment. It's a spiritual war um, and it's online war. People don't realise it because they're not seeing it. The mainstream media is not posting it because they're part of the problem. Um, that's like with Ben Robert Smith. The mainstream media is all out to diss him and put him down and make him look like what he, what he did as, as an Australian... Um, you know, serving member. You know, I think he's a, he's, a, he's a war hero. Um, then making him look pathetic, and and the war, the, the spiritual war that's up on the people at the moment, is all about attacking our heroes. So we think, oh, it's good to be, you know, to stand up and fight for our country. But then the media turns around and and, and slanders Ben Robert Smith, and then we go, oh, it's, it, it hurts us all individually when we think, oh, a hero, or anyone who thinks that Ben Robert Smith is a hero, anyway, anyone who thinks. A hero is no longer a hero because someone didn't like what he said you know but but all these things are just allegations he's still a hero. it's just the media is on the bad side of this wall with big tech big pharma and all the rest of it um i mean and it, it it's happening and we 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 need the spirit to to lift everyone up and say, yeah, we should stand up and poke with bear if they're doing the wrong thing you know, i mean we need to we need to lift our spirits and, and lift the spirits of each individual person in Australia, not sort of back down from what is right. You know, that's why, that's why you know, the, the Bible even says, we, we you, know, under the, the, you know, with the help of God that we'll do what is right and we'll... Yeah, Kevin David Beek alive
2: Good thoughts in there the idea that uh, as a Christian attitude if we're talking about what Christian attitudes to war might be the idea of standing for truth and even though there may be a consequence uh, to not be too fearful about poking the dragon I think we've got bears and dragons in here but let's talk dragons Cole, your thoughts for uh, for Kevin
1: uh well I, I I guess we'll have to just agree to disagree on the poking the the dragon but uh, we agree on Ben Robert Smith. Definitely. And I think we, you know, scripture says that, you know, greater love is no man than he laid in his life for his friends. And the Anzac spirit is you never leave your mates. So how come all of a sudden he's almost like deserted? And he he was saying that a lot of it is just jealousy. Well, now you imagine Channel 9 for a start. If they lose this case, his lawyer's demanding the highest, you know, payment in history. So. Obviously, it's in Channel 9's interest to trash his reputation and make him look as bad as possible. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
2: We are in the deep end, not everyone agrees, but we're talking war today, and as a Christian what sort of attitude ought we have to war? Is there a biblical foundation? Are there things from the Bible times, uh, from Jesus himself, or from Old and New Testament that we can glean some ways that we can face a future that may well have in it the idea of war? 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Cole Stringer is our guest, well-known author on issues military uh, with a number of his books all about the Australians at war, the Anzacs, First World War, Second World War. He's written a number of books about war and his latest book is called Billy. It's about an Aboriginal uh, fighter off to serve uh, in the light horse. Uh, We'll talk some more about that shortly but we're taking calls now on one 800 Hundred three Let's hear from Judy in WA. Hi, Judy. Welcome.
3: Oh, hello. Um, Look, I I just concur with the previous caller um, about um, this Robert, um, what's his name? Ben Ben Robert Smith. Ben Robert Smith, yeah. Um, Seems to me that um, he is being victimised and vilified um, because you have to look at who's behind it and who's who's going to benefit from this, and I would say that the people who are behind it are, are have a, a, best, a, best, a big vested interest um in selling newspapers in uh causing a lot of um heat in in the social media and it's, it, they're breaking the money and who, who suffers he does you know and that's this is really sad because our society is being driven apart by by big organisations that really should know better.
4: He
2: may be much more important than we might at first glance think, Ben Robert Smith, on what happens to the attitudes of Australians towards our military personnel. Judy, uh, thank you so much. Let's get a a thought or two from Cole. Yeah, I
1: I I agree with Judy. Uh, I believe, anyway, that Channel 9 has actually withdrawn one of the accusations about murder. But that's too late, the damage is done. See, that's the thing I I don't I don't like because if you throw enough mud, some of it's going to stick anyway. So, you, you know, and what, like I say, it seems to me like everybody has almost like abandoned Ben Robert Smith. Uh, I know different churches where I was going to go uh, around Anzac and that, and they asked me not to refer to that at all. Well... You know, like I say, I I think you're innocent till proven guilty, but we don't even do that anymore. So um, I agree with Judy on that. Judy,
2: thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Before we move on and take some more calls... Uh, War has rules. And uh, interestingly, when we're talking about Ben Robert Smith uh, in Afghanistan uh, going in and uh, being part of the Australian Defence Forces uh, where we are obeying the rules, but perhaps our enemy is not obedient to the rules and not acknowledging the rules. So there are some issues there. But war has rules, Uh, humane treatment of civilians and prisoners. There is, and we might argue, a Christian foundation to the fact that there are rules. Rules for war. We can actually identify uh, some rules for war right back into the book of Deuteronomy in the Bible. But when we're talking about rules for war, then somehow or other, scrutiny of returned service personnel is something we might anticipate can be a good thing. Uh, is there a, a positive side to the fact that there are some accusations
1: uh, for war crimes? Cole? before we take any more calls. Any thought there? Uh, yeah. Well, you're talking about the Geneva Convention and. But uh, what did that mean to the Nazis? Zip, zilch. Hmm. It didn't apply because obviously they didn't respect those sort of things. Um, Although I, they were tried in the Nuremberg yeah, but they War did, but Trials. They, I, that's yeah. right, but they never applied to our, the prisoners of war in those. I mean, the, the horrendous treatment, the same with the Japanese, horrendous treatment of our POWs, things like that. So uh, there can be rules of war, but... What about if only one side obeys those rules?
2: What happens then? Yeah, yeah. and uh, there might be an issue there. You might like to respond. A Christian attitude to war, a Christian attitude applied to our own defence forces, acknowledging rules of war. Well, uh, as we say, this is a very big conversation. Perhaps we're just scratching the surface on some of these things today. 1-800-316-316. Let's take some more calls. Uh, Kay is in Victoria. Hi, Kay.
0: Hello. um I just agree with Colin there with um, that if only one country is trying to um, abide by the rules, my gosh, you've got to defend yourself any which way you can and the Taliban don't abide by any rules but their own. Everybody knows that, but that's not what I rang up about. I rang up at, if if China's beating the drums of war I think we've let the Trojan horse in. We've sold ports to them. We've sold land to them. We've got heaps of them in here buying up our land. Um, Houses in Melbourne and knocking them down and putting in flats. They're in our unis. They've even got our unis to teach in accordance to what they approve of. And I think we've bent far enough. We've bent way far enough. Uh, It's not so much poking the stick. It's time to stand up and say no more.
2: Well, good thoughts there, Kay. Uh, Response from
1: Cole? Uh, Yeah, I think we have sort of uh, maybe let them in. I, I was reading recently that the new embassy in Adelaide is one of the largest, and yet there's only a very small Chinese population Do you think the reason that they're building it there is because that's where they're going to build the new submarines? Uh, Could be. You just never know. And uh, (laughs) an interesting thought to bring in there. But uh,
2: more broadly speaking, of course, the Belt and Road Initiative uh, has China investing all around the world into infrastructure left, right and centre. And, uh, of course, the downside of that. China's investment brings almost like a slavery mentality to the ones who are receiving the money because money is itself uh, intoxicating. Uh, to nations, and nations will bend the knee to the communist ideal. Uh, any thoughts, uh, Colin, on the, the fact that uh, the Belt and Road Initiative is so widespread, uh, there has been a stop to it here in Australia because of issues with the Victorian government, but um, but calling that out and
1: saying what it is, uh, those things are concerning, aren't they? Well, I'm from Darwin. Uh, we sold the Darwin port to the Chinese. Now, I mean, like, can you imagine? I just can't believe the stupidity. Like the United States were absolutely gobsmacked that we would sell our port, where you know our, which would be defence and things like that, to uh, our potential biggest enemy. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) yeah. Look, you know, uh, you might have a a view on that. Well,
2: 1-800-316-316. Thank you so much to Kay for your insight today. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Richard in Alstonville in New South Wales. Hi, Richard. Welcome.
5: Uh, G'day, guys. Um, I was just just wanted to uh, ring up. I had a few thoughts on my mind. Um, First one, I was listening to Cole. He was talking about... um, We've got to be careful about how we relate and, tr- and treat China. But I also want to suggest maybe also, like... Talking about. We're, we're living in a an era where um, war is not just about sheer numbers of troops anymore. It's about technology and strategy and all that sort of stuff when it comes to it. I've got, like, um, two uncles that served in the Air Force. One was in the fighter corps, and one was serving with paratroopers with the Army. And, um... Yeah, just just a different point of view anyway. That, good good th- thoughts. The warfare's slight, slightly different, but the one Warfare, other thing I wanted to yep. ask, quick, quickly ask is, okay. do you think it's a bit like Israel and the Old Testament in the Bible? And, um, you know, do we need to be planning ourselves a bit more like the Israeli army from, from, from a biblical point?
1: Let get a thought or two from Cole. Uh, well, certainly it's a possibility. The only... The difference is that Israel is such a small country to defend. Australia is such a huge coastline that we have in such a small navy. China now has the largest navy in the world. And yet, like I say, and I'm not saying we just kowtow, but I don't understand why our politicians keep poking them and annoying them so that we become the number one enemy, uh, you know, uh, I just don't think we're a big enough country to be able to do that. Uh, just quickly, I want to say, hey, I love Austinville too. It's a beautiful little town. I love yeah. that place. I just don't think. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much to Richard for your call.
2: Let's squeeze one more call in before news. Let's hear from Patricia in Melbourne. Hello, Patricia.
0: Oh, hi. How are you all? Good. Um, I'm actually trying to become a sort of better Christian. I am actually haven't been a Christian for years. So I've started reading the Bible, and the thing that fascinates me is, yes, uh, you know, our Father God has said, "Do not kill." But you read the Old Testament; the number of times He sent the Israelites out to kill this, you know, and you know, destroy everyone, all the cattle, and you know, the women and children, and, and the whole bit. So you've got a God that seems to telling His people to go and, you know. Patricia,
2: you're raising a really important point and we're about to go to news so we're going to have to save this one till after news but we will address it. Let's come back to that question that was posed by Patricia just before the news and I think an important one. We don't want to miss this because she makes reference to the idea that you know, thou shalt not kill. Isn't that one of the Ten Commandments? Doesn't that apply to a context of war? What would your thoughts be for Patricia?
1: Well, if you as students of the word, you know, if you dig deeper, it's actually thou shalt not take innocent life. Uh, so it's it's different, I believe. But as I said, uh, with the Roman centurion, where Jesus commended him for his faith, and uh, Nehemiah 4, where he, you know where they're told to stand up and fight for their family. So uh, I, I believe that, you know, it's our responsibility to defend our family, to defend our homeland, and I don't consider that as murder. Uh, Can I just drop one thought in here, because when you were there, but I I just think it's a scary time to be alive right now. You know, the Bible does say in the last days, it talks about nation rising against nation, you know, uh, ethnic group against ethnic group. So this is a time that I believe that we need to be born again, spirit-filled, and really, really trusting in the goodness of God, the grace of God. I wouldn't like to be an unbeliever living in these times. Interestingly, uh, let's come back to these words uh, taking
2: innocent life or thou shalt not kill, the idea thou shalt not murder. Mm. Because when we send our young uh, military defence force soldiers off to war, we don't send them to murder. That's right. uh, we send them to, uh, on behalf of a nation, uh, to conduct themselves. Yes. On the battlefields, in a way that they will take the lives of
1: the enemy. That's not considered murder, is it? No, I I don't believe it is. And and we were talking about this before. But put yourself in a position, like where if you're in a position where somebody's shooting at you or about to kill you, do you know how you'd respond? Because I don't. I don't know in a situation like that how I really respond. I I think I do, but I've never been in that situation. But you imagine if you're even in a car crash, you freeze up. You know, you don't respond the way you think you would. And I, I just think it's unreasonable to expect these young men, they're trained to fight, you know, and things, to, to do anything else than to defend themselves, whatever is necessary to defend themselves. And then we come back and we have these armchair generals judging them, you know, and trashing their reputations, which I, I just think is disgraceful. Taking calls, one eight hundred 316
2: Let's hear from Terry in Evanstone in South Australia. Hello, Terry. Welcome.
6: Hello. Um, I'm just ringing up about um, your book, Billy. Um, as a point of interest, um, in 1978 I worked um, up in the APY lands, the Hermannsburg Mission, and there I met a um, full-blood Aboriginal named, also named Billy, Malthouse, um, who belonged to the um, Ar- Arunda people and he claimed very much that he fought in World War I with the horsemen uh, in the Middle East and I just thought that was uh, an interesting parallel with the book that you've written
2: There are going to be connections like that yeah. Cole, you've written a book because yeah. there are wonderful yeah. indigenous connections uh, to serving in the Australian Defence
1: Force There were some uh, like 400 that actually, like you might be aware that in the First World War Uh, You know, full bloods weren't allowed into the armed forces, but I knew, because I'm from Darwin, the best riders, the best shots up there were the Aboriginal boys. I knew they would have got in there somewhere, and so there was something like 400 that actually rode with the light horse.
6: Yeah, he had been a stockman. He he had been a stockman uh, and was probably chosen, uh, picked up with that ability to um, be part of the um, forces.
2: Terry, good thoughts that you're offering in here. And let's just tie this in to a modern-day way we might think about war too because while we talk about Billy, uh, Cole's latest book, uh, talking about a young Indigenous stockman who clearly was skilled buffalo shooter, a buffalo shooter. All right, and uh, you relate very well to the <laughs> buffalo shooters, don't you? So, uh, so here was someone, though, who was happy to uh, put himself forward And to go and serve in the Australian Defence Force off into World War One to serve in the Light Horse, I wonder whether Cole, there is some thought here because if we talk about trashing the reputation of Australians' military today by war crimes accusations, that whether the atmosphere by which people were signing up around the time of World War One or World War Two would have, you know, what it would have been like. I mean, what are your thoughts for the for the sort of atmosphere they were
1: signing up in? Well. I don't believe, for a start, when they came back, they would have been subjected to the same pressure that these, like, SAS boys are now, particularly because you've got, whether you like it or not, Channel 9 have a vested interest in making sure that this man is found guilty because it's going to cost them a lot of money if they don't. Mm. So that that has to come into view. Anyway, that's what I think, anyway, my opinion. But these young men in the First World War, when they came back, they were heroes. And... Uh, like I say, I mean they were—they'd gone away to defend their nation. They'd gone away in those days because of country, of queen or king in those days, empire. That's what they signed up. That's what they volunteered for. You
2: know, and if we don't consider our returned service personnel to be heroes, that has an effect on the next generation signing up.
1: And you think about the horrendous. I still think World War One was the most horrendous of them all. You got gas, you know, trench warfare, machine guns where you're mowing down hundreds of men and you know, when they made the charges, you got gas warfare, horrendous things. They didn't have the psychological support when they came back for a start. My grandfather rode with a light horse, he couldn't handle it. When he came back, got rid of all of his uniforms, everything, because they didn't have the psychological support. You had two ways hit the booze or, or give your life to the Lord. But and forget about the past. That was virtually all they had. But, you know, when I was researching this young man here, and I also the top sniper in the First World War was, a, was an Anzac digger, Billy Singh. He took out the top um, Turkish sniper, I forget, something like 400. He wasn't accused of being a war criminal. He was, you know... Featured as a, a war hero, four hundred. Now, if you want a cold blood, because he's you know lying in a sniper's position waiting for these men to 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 show themselves, they considered him a hero. How many lives did he save by doing that? That's right.
2: One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to join our conversation. Thanks so much to Terry uh, for your call. Let's take another call. Let's hear from Sat in Sydney. Hello, Sat. Welcome along.
4: Hi, good morning. I was just listening to you guys. I think in today's age, one of the economic and chemical warfare, I think a lot of people don't realize that. And also the country's been weakened by cost of living, and that's another way of weakening the country. People cannot afford things, and that's what China is doing. I mean, China's self-sufficient, and we ourselves, here in Australia, we let our leaders let us down by not putting Australia first, looking after the needs of the people instead of putting prices up and up so people cannot leave. And that a very disheartening, especially in the warfare.
2: Sat, good thoughts there. The idea of economic warfare and uh, I think we're drawing attention to a propaganda war. These sorts of things are going on and we might even classify some of that and I'm not exactly sure of the perfect definition of this grey zone war uh, that is threatened against Australia but uh, but those are the sorts of things that you know we ought to be concerned about, Cole.
1: Well, it's definitely intimidation. That's what I think China's all about. I, I, I have friends actually from my church in Darwin that actually pastor in Hong Kong now. And they fill me in a little bit. It's all about intimidation. So, you know, and that's what I think we won't knuckle under to the Chinese. So now it's intimidation. First of all, it's economic. And now it seems to be military intimidation. So I think Taiwan just today warned us that, you know, China are serious about these things. It's not just... So I I think we need to be looking seriously at it. I'm certainly praying about it. I don't want my my children, my grandchildren, to be involved in a war with China. I don't think any of us
2: do. Uh, 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation. Thank you so much to Sat in Sydney taking calls. Let's hear from Graham in Burnie in Tasmania. Hello, Graham. Welcome. Hello, uh, you know,
7: Deuteronomy 28 talks about uh, our problems that God will bring upon us if we reject him and you know, the strangest will get above you and you'll be robbed and ripped off and uh, we have rejected God and God is, we've got the coronavirus we've got the Chinese like sharks trying to swallow us up they're playing the world like a monopoly table you buy everything up and then you've got everybody And uh, this is the thing that God's trying to get through to us, to turn to him. No matter if we fight or we don't fight, it's God's will to shake us, to turn to him.
2: Good point you're making here, Graham. Uh, Cole, the idea that there's a deeper message for every individual listening to a conversation like this today about what God might be saying when there are alarm bells ringing, when there is potential for conflict, what sort of
1: thoughts do you have for Graham? Well, Graham, I certainly appreciate your point of view, and I, I disagree because I believe we live in the dispensation of grace. We don't live under the law, the old covenant. That doesn't mean it's you know that we don't take notice of it. But Jesus came to fulfil the law. It's complete, and I believe near, now we live in the dispensation of grace. There will be judgment, but the moment we live in the dispensation of grace, so. I don't think that God is causing these things or using, well he may be using them but I certainly don't believe that he's causing them at all um, That that's that's my humble opinion anyway.
2: We're <laughs> warned in advance, aren't we? Uh, Matthew chapter 24 of what to expect uh, in a time that is towards the end uh, and the idea of deception and uh, wars and rumors of wars. So these things are not taking anyone by surprise if we're familiar with those passages and even the words of Jesus out of Matthew chapter 24. Graham, thank you so much for your call. Taking calls 1-800-316-316. Tracy is in Dolby in Queensland. Hello, Tracy. Toby.
3: Hello, I'm really enjoying this conversation It's um, it's very good um, I think I agree with I think it was Say or K Regarding we've already let the horse in um, But I'm wondering What would happen if it is war And what happens to the population Of China that's already in Australia And, what, 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 and with what they own What happens there?
2: Well, you make a wonderful point because Chinese have been a part of Australian society since colonisation. And uh, so when we talk about uh, you know First Peoples, we talk about the arrival of the First Fleet, 1788, the Chinese were there really right from day one. And so Chinese people have been a part of Australian society and uh, we have been able to embrace them in a wonderful way. Yes, attitudes do start
1: to change. Uh, Cole, your thoughts for Tracy? Uh, I think we need to just... Differentiate between Chinese and Taiwanese. I have Chinese living in my street. They don't consider themselves Chinese, they're Taiwanese. They're very anti communist, very anti, you know, what's going on. And so I think it's a major thing that we differentiate, uh, like I say here, because in my own street we have uh, three, four families and they're Taiwanese. Is it the case,
2: Cole, that this is a time to embrace? our Chinese or even any Asian-looking neighbour because sometimes it's hard for us to to know who comes from
1: where, but this is a great time to be befriending our our Asian neighbours. I I believe so. My grandson's girlfriend is is Chinese, beautiful girl, lovely, lovely. Some of my best friends, my ex-partner in Darwin was a Chinese boy. And look, I I, I love Chinese food, and I I have no problem with the Chinese people whatsoever. I love Singapore. My favourite country outside Australia is Singapore. And uh, so I I think we need to embrace them and not, not push them away. I think that the vast majority of Chinese that have come here good citizens. So we're on guard for our own attitudes as things
2: tend to be, uh, appear to be heating up right now and uh, there may be much more uh, conflict that is coming into the media in the coming times. Tracy thank you so much for your call. Taking calls 1-800-316-316 David is in Bonjean in Queensland. Hi David welcome.
7: Good morning my comments relate perhaps to the aftermath and the damage it does to the people that we get involved. Um, I've had some dealings with some uh, elite ex-servicemen and they are given no thanks, they are given no debriefing and we put them through on our behalf. I do it on behalf of our government and if we think back to the Vietnam the return of the veterans there, they were treated abominably. We may not have agreed with why they were sent there, why we were there, but they did a job. They did it on our behalf and when they come back, we need to be supporting them and encouraging them because they will be come back as changed people and... I've thanked a few of these guys to their face and it's the first time anybody's ever thanked them. It's meant a lot to them. And I think whether we support what they're saying, the government's doing or not, we need to support these men and women as individuals and especially when they return.
1: David,
2: good thoughts there. Cole, your thoughts for David?
1: I totally agree. One of my best friends... As a pastor, his son served in the SAS, beautiful young men, came home totally, totally just wiped out. Uh, Couldn't relate to people at all. So my friend actually stepped down from the church and spent the next couple of years just ministering to his son, and he was saying the same thing. they they trained to kill, come back. Suddenly they're out of the service, no psychological support, nothing whatsoever, and they're supposed to just get on with their lives. And you know, I, I just think it—it it really is terrible. I, 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 as I said before, I had the the privilege of speaking to the SAS at their Swanburn barracks in Perth, and I just found them wonderful young, just wonderful young men. And it, it's sad. Well, think about it. Our own commander of the armed forces here in Australia was going to strip what three thousand SAS, yeah, and I just appreciate Peter Dutton. He got up and said, "It's not going to happen." And reinstated them. We need to support these people, not not. That's why I think it's such a terrible thing. This this court case with Ben right. It's on national media. I mean, every day you see him walking in, in often in tears, and uh, you know his own ex-wife. I think it was was anyway. Okay. I just think it's
2: disgusting,
1: I really do. All right,
2: thank you so much to David for your call. Uh, running short of time, let's take one more call. John is in WA. John, welcome
6: along. Oh, uh, Thank you, Neil. Uh, call, um <clears throat> I want to say first up that I, I disagree with you about your sentiments about our federal uh, politicians standing up with uh, their... Uh, comments about what's happening I think what we've got to do firstly is be united as a population and again uh, against what's happening um, you know right around and look carefully at the reasons for why we are being eyed off uh, by this great nation of China they want our resources and if you look back at the history of wars all over the world, even small wars, it's about greed and power. And China is imprisoning and uh, millions of its own citizens. It's persecuting people who are against their values, against their, their ideals of governing, of being a major power. And we, we need to do is to be united Get behind what's happening because, as another caller said, uh, they've taken over our universities. They've taken over a lot of institutions. Plus, they're fighting a tech war. They're they're actually they've been the the known culprits behind a lot of the the uh, invasions of our, of our technical infrastructure. So let's be united behind our federal government. Uh, and be united as a population and examine what's been happening over the past, um, I don't know, 60 years or so. And as an ex-army cadet on the northeast frontier in India, uh, I saw firsthand what the Chinese are like. So let's be, uh, I, I, I suppose that's the end of my comment to you, call. John, but I respect you as an author. Thank you.
2: Wonderful to hear from you and good sentiments there. Cole, a thought for John?
1: Yeah, I think what John's saying is is true. It would be wonderful if we could be united, but obviously we're not. Uh, even in politics, we're not. You've got the Greens, you know, and the the bleeding hearts on the left, which are totally, you know, opposed. You've got uh, Scott Morrison and the others on the right. So, I mean, even in our federal politics, we're not uh, the Western Australian. Premier disagrees with with Morrison on the way to deal with China. I think uh, Mr. Sheen, you know the previous seven forty seven Kevin, you right. know, <laughs> okay, yep. is also he's a you know a Chinese student speaks fluent Mandarin. Same sort of thing. I'm I'm not saying we kowtow, but I don't. I don't know that we're handling it the right way. That's that's mm-hmm. all I'm saying.
2: Okay, we'll need to draw a uh, close to our conversation. Thank you so much to John in WA. And time's run out and uh, this might well be... Uh, just the starter uh, of these sorts of conversations that may be necessary into the times to come. Perhaps uh, we're wrong. Perhaps uh, this idea of a grey zone war and uh, the way that there is this uh, uh, posturing that's coming from China, uh, perhaps it will just pass by. But uh, there is deeper issues uh, in economic Tensions. Let's pray it
1: doesn't happen.
2: Let's pray it doesn't happen. Uh, We don't want it to happen. And uh, so there is something there for Christians. If you're saying, what do I pray for? Make that one of your prayer points. Cole, wonderful getting your insights. And uh, for a lot of people listening in, no doubt uh, they'll be enlarged a little on the idea of uh, what we might think about as Christians when it comes to this concept of war. I do want to mention your latest book, Billy. And uh, it's about that uh, indigenous soldier who signed up in the First World War, served in the Light Horse. And uh, Cole, it's a, just give us a little out- outline. This is a true story, uh, it's based th- on true story. based on a true story. And you might know that Cole has written a whole bunch of great books, and especially around World War One. The 800 Horsemen, Fighting Mackenzie, The Anzac Spirit. This latest one is called Billy, and you'll know that you can get a hold of these books through the Vision store, vision.org.au. Vision.org.au. You'll be able to get a hold of uh, those books uh, right now if you wanted to get a hold of any of those. Just gone into its third printing. Okay, it is popular. And, uh, and, you know, just to note too that, uh, you know, you are the author of some of Australia's all-time favourite books. And uh, when we talk about these sorts of books, these are about our national character. And, uh, you know, Cole, you do hold that uh, that wonderful um, degree of uh, respect uh, when it comes to uh, being an author here in Australia. I'll give you $500 when we go. Cole Stringer, great.